Just wang it. We're wanging it. Okay. Hey, man. Hi. It's uh, 2018. We are at PAX East. <laughs> I love when you say the year. It's how I get my head straight when I start <laughs> yeah. these things. Uh, I don't. I actually don't do it to try to be funny. I'm like, okay, where am I? What year is it? It's uh, 2018. It's because of all that time traveling you do. No, we've done we've done a lot of these these pack shows. Uh, we were talking. Well, first of all, thanks listeners for hanging out with us. <laughs> uh, we were at PAX East. It is PAX East 2018, as we were saying. And uh, uh, Matt and I have been talking. This is like uh, I think our first one was in 2010. So we've yeah. been coming to this for a long time. Yeah, I think I've only missed one east i think yeah i think i've missed one east as well i think we we missed the same year i missed it because my kid was being born no i went that year scott you went that I, year. scott and i went that's right and i was jealous. i missed like year two i think oh uh, okay okay and then and then came ever since good deal yeah well we're here it's been super fun it is um cold as crap we're about halfway through the con now it is cold uh let's let's do a quick quick weather report and then we got to do a hotel room report yeah the weather report is that it's spring and it's mid-april and it's 30 degrees outside yeah. and it snowed yesterday and, it snowed. and i think last year we were here for uh, our listeners that are coming back for uh the next year of pax coverage it was a, like a blizzard it was last a blizzard year. Yeah. yeah and this time they moved it to april and i thought oh cool it'll be warm and then it hit april and it's not warm and i live up here and i hate this i want it to end <laughs> yesterday you were like oh like multiple people freaked out because it was probably their first time seeing snow in a while yeah and i was like this is the fourth springtime snowstorm we've had and i want to murder everyone around me currently because it's cold and yeah I hate it. yeah so it has been a frigid pax uh i think both matt and i packed intelligently because we actually have jackets and stuff yeah. like that i almost didn't bring a jacket because i was like your bug jacket my bug jacket uh i was like you know Maybe I don't need it. And then the last minute I brought it. So thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, so we arrived. We um, uh, checked into our hotel, which is very different. Uh-huh. Uh, we won't name the name of the hotel, but we will say it is freaking weird. Um, right. If you follow us on social media at all, I think we on our personal channels, uh, I think we posted pictures of it. But the Correct. first thing you, you walk in, the room's pretty narrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and there I mean, is, it's not like the tiniest hotel. I've been in smaller hotel rooms, yeah, but it's, it's not, it's not comfy. giant by any means. Yeah, it's comfy. But the the TV, the first thing I noticed, the TV is attached to a bike frame with a working back wheel. Now, when you said this to me, I did not understand what you meant at the time. I was trying to envision some way that it was mounted to, like, a bike was sitting next to it and it was on the wall. or yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really understand. But here, the reality is this. There's a regular bike frame, just like a normal bike frame without the gears sitting on the ground and then mounted to that bike frame is a tv yeah just free floating in the middle of the room and if you're listening and you're like well that doesn't make any sense no no it doesn't it doesn't, it it doesn't makes make no sense <laughs> and it serves no function whatsoever yeah, it's, it's not like the, t- the bike does something it's just sitting in the middle of the room i mean you hear there's a lot of diy projects where like let's build a table out of a door and you're like that's kind of a cool idea we'll build a table out of a door or you know but there's no one is like let's no. build a tv stand out of a bike out of a bike um on top of that, you know, Matt and I, when we come to these, it's usually when it's just he and I, uh, we always get stuck with a king-size bed. Yep. There was no changing it. Nope. There was no option when we got the hotel uh-uh. through uh, through Next Travel or Travel Planners, whatever it is. Um, we, you know, so king-size bed. Uh-huh. Always a warm and cozy experience. Yep. And then the, uh, the bathroom in this room is... Uh, <laughs> just see-through. You can <laughs> see right into it. <laughs> uh, we're not exaggerating, but the bathroom <laughs> is a clear metal cube. Glass cube. The glass cube. The yeah. Metal. Metal would be very Metal would be a weird, clear cube. Yeah. Yes. So a glass cube that you can see from 
the entire much anywhere in the room yeah i mean there's like spots in the bathroom in the room where you can't conveniently see into it yeah and i'm actually mildly shocked they didn't set a mirror up so that you can see into it easily that is true but uh yeah it's just a big glass box it's yeah very very much built for sexy times um it's uh there's an unspoken rule that like when one of us is like hey i'm gonna go take a shower it's like no turning around just don't turn around for half an hour (laughs) until the experience is over or else you might see the other person's uh jumbly bits jumbly jangly bits yeah so um, uh that's that's about yeah, it yeah then i think the the last point to to leave you on is that the bed our one king size bed do we say it's floating no it's we just have not floating in the middle of the room right it's not on a wall it's just in the dead middle of the room which makes for a weird looking <laughs> shared room between that because usually when it's like a king size bed and like a yeah regular old, regular wall. old you know hotel motel literally in every hotel it's just against been, a wall yeah and I think you and I just in our brains go like, well, that's fine, whatever. We're going to share a bed. It's no big deal. Yeah. There's a weird connotation around a bed floating in the middle of the room that <laughs> I hadn't really ever thought about until I walked into this hotel. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty dirty. It's pretty dirty. It, it, yeah. We'll put our Yelp reviews up later. Yeah. We Bill. both we both reviewed it in different ways. Yeah. Mine good was times. vulgar. Um, so, yeah, if you want to know the name of this hotel and if you feel like staying in a, a bizarro... Uh, it's a ni- We should clarify it as a very nice hotel. <laughs> Food's been great. We get breakfast there every morning. Yeah, it's good. It's not like a bad hotel. It's just an awkward business share hotel that well, we, we are currently I think currently like a in. lot of things that we've encountered on this trip, it's designed by someone who is thinking about design more than yeah. um, the functionality of that design. <laughs> well, and if we weren't in the slim times of rated NA, you know, like if, if we weren't, you know, economy's rough right now, so we're slimming down, so we're sharing rooms. Yeah. You know, if we were still in the in the early aughts when we were just banking millions oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we would get our own room and it would be this wouldn't even be a of conversation course. we'd yeah. still talk about how weird it is but it wouldn't be as weird we'd all have our own bike tvs yeah we'd all have our own bike tvs good stuff um let's talk about Poop some video games and open. stuff yes lots of glass door <laughs> open pooping oh boy what an interesting adventure um so, so what'd you do thursday you got here before i did i did i i, I didn't you know i i didn't do a, a ton of stuff but um the first thing i did was i grabbed my badge and i uh actually ended up moderating the pax orientation panel yeah, yeah. which is a panel that i've been on a handful of times this we've is my all, first I think we've time we've all been on it yeah so scott did I it once so. i think yeah too? scott did it scott did it one time and i did it once our pal mylan is the one who throws it together she unfortunately couldn't make it this year right so i kind of tagged in to moderate it and it was it was really um really a lot of fun um Aaron Yvette was there, and Mike Laidlaw, cool. and uh, Kessel Run, and cool. um, uh, Punzi, who does the Cookie Brigade, was there. Cool. Um, Liam Esther was there, uh, and it was a, a great group of people. And if you haven't ever been to a PAX orientation, it was uh, it, it's a, a way of kind of showing and describing to uh, new attendees what the PAX experience is like. Easing into the PAX experience. Yeah, like what what you should do and what you should not do. I mean, we had people on that panel that had been to like the very first PAX before it was even called PAX. It was called Penny Arcade Expo and there was like 10,000 people or something. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's interesting. It's really exciting to see people attend this show for the first time because it it is. It's uh, a wonderful experience if you love games and it's even better i'm discovering you know as i do more and more of these like i come to see friends yeah uh and this may not be the most exciting thing for listeners but i come to see friends more than i really come to see like the latest and hottest games you know what? let's review our friends let's yeah let's do that so uh 
Sissy Jones, I give her a A minus. No, she's wonderful. Um, so yeah, so you know, uh, Pax Orientation was a lot of fun. I mm-hmm. think we we hopefully taught some people some stuff, and uh, you know, I think it is a good time. Like I said, if you've never been to Pax, come to one in the future. There'll be more. I think we're going to do it at West as well. Yeah, and uh, it was good. It was yeah. good times. And then after that, I kind of wandered the floor. Um, Saw some stuff. I actually played a game that I want to talk about called Riverbond. Sorry, I couldn't remember the name for a second. Riverbond. And uh, Riverbond was is really cool. If you're into games like Legend of Zelda, mm-hmm. um, but more of the mechanics of Legend of Zelda mixed with a twin stick shooter, if you can imagine that. So mm-hmm. imagine if you're controlling Link and you can hack and slash, but then you can also use the other stick to fire a projectile. Right. Um, that's the main mechanic of Riverbond. Am I getting too far away? No, from no, there? no. I'm waiting for the oh, Empire to roll in or uh, something. Some, something's happening here. Yeah, it's on a quiet spot, and that's always Keep going. So dangerous. So um, Zelda mixed with a twin stick shooter mechanic. They took a lot of elements from games like um, Crossy Road that I actually really like. Cool. Um, so it's voxel based. It's kind of like three D, three D eight bit style. Uh, but the thing that's really cool about it is you can collect a variety of different skins for your avatar. So cool. I played as like a giant banana and like a cat and like a whole bunch of different skins that you kind of unlock as you play through this adventure. Mm-hmm. So you go through this, uh, this overhead world similar to that of the original Zelda and you go on quests and uh, a lot of the environments are destructible. You can play with other people, couch co-op. There's a lot of different guns you can pick up or different uh, projectile types, which I thought were really cool that you can use with your twin stick. Um, and it also has a fuel mechanic for those weapons, so you can't just fire all the time. You have to use your sword, too. And uh, you can do all sorts of really fun stuff. There's, like, uh, basic rudimentary puzzles and uh, bosses to fight. And and uh, I ended up playing for, like, 15, 15 20 minutes awesome. um, with some of the devs and really, really enjoyed it. So it's called uh, River Bond. It's coming to uh, PS4, Xbox One, and PC uh, no Switch as of yet, which I know some people would really like this game on Switch. But if you're looking for a kind of a couch co-op, hack and slashy, uh, voxel-based game, I say definitely check it out. The dev team was super sweet, really, really cool, cool. and um, the game was great. Awesome. What about yourself? Uh, I got in pretty late on Thursday from from New York City and went to a panel at three o'clock walked the floor for a bit but didn't really play anything went to a panel at three called building bridges and breaking barriers which uh had kelly wallach who created indie mega booth we've had her on the show before uh nigel lowry from devolver digital edgar serrano who is a a uh, mexican developer who owns a studio in mexico he had a really interesting kind of origin story studios called lienzo uh, Robin Hunnick was there, uh, and Tanya Short from Kit Fox Games, and they do a bunch of other things too, uh, a bunch of like uh, game jams and game dev cons and stuff. Um, but it was a pretty cool talk. It was mostly just about kind of community and sort of uh, how to be a developer or make things without having like how to create your community around building a thing that you want to make. You know what I mean? And it was a pretty diverse panel. They all kind of came from different places. And Mm -hmm. there's some really interesting thoughts and talks from the different people because they all have different perspectives. A couple of them were from really small developers. You know, Devolver is relatively big at this point. Mm -hmm. And he talked about uh, a really interesting concept that I didn't know they did, which was that before they bring a new dev to any con, 
um, they take them through and do a mini one day uh, press junket, like That's a smart. fake one. So yeah, they yeah. they sit them up on a podium. They put people in an audience. They start asking them questions. And he's like, "We're really just trying to get the media trained in a day, so that he's like, because a lot of the developers they have are from outside of the U.S. They they do a lot of you know South Africa and I think Australia and a few other places." Um, And he's like, even when English is their first language, they tend to get really nervous that they're going to say something wrong in an interview just because cultural backgrounds are different and they don't know that certain things aren't okay to say and Mm -hmm. are okay or whatever it might be. And I was like, never, I hadn't thought about that. I was like, that's actually pretty interesting and a good plan to do that. Because as we know, we've interviewed a lot of developers. It can Mm -hmm. be dry at times or like pulling teeth to get anybody to talk to you about yeah oh yeah anything or um, they they recite a script they memorize and which then, is not fun for no them. we don't care i mean we care only in the sense that like we want to get their game out there to people but we'd also really just want to know them as like people and like right. how much fun they have making a thing yeah uh, and then kelly wallach talked about some some really great points of her background's crazy it's crazy yeah i love it but she talked about like with indie mega booth how basically her goal wasn't to scale right away. It was to slowly build a community and that in doing that, the notion of diversity can't be just like one aspect of diversity. Like it can't be like, I'm going to build a female community, which is okay to do, but like long-term won't really, you want to build a diverse community, you know, made up of a variety of people. Yeah. So she was kind of just talking about being a slow developing community and how, it's a you know marathon, not a sprint type thing. Mm-hmm. And then they just talked about the the difficulties there and and kind of like what their viewpoint is on the internet and like how caustic it can be and what they should what to do about it. And they talked about like you know uh, talking to senior developers and going like, well, how did you do it? How did you make it? And they're like, if anyone tells you how they did it, and it's not, I don't know, I got pretty lucky. <laughs> they're like, then they're lying and trying to sell you something. Yeah, yeah because yeah. it's the reality is that it's chaos, and like, who knows how most people make it in this industry? You know, one way or the other. Right. It's absolutely true. <laughs> it was just a really interesting talk, and uh, was really good. So building bridges and breaking barriers, but it had a great panel, and it was one of those panels that you kind of wander into, and then ends up being worth it. Very cool. Um, you want to talk about due process? <laughs> Let's talk about due process. So we went to bed Thursday night. We well, we hung and out then, a little bit, and then we went to Friday. This is Friday. Fro- oh yeah, the next day. That's is what I'm right. Saying. I don't know what day it is anymore. That was uh, Thursday. Yes. Then we we went to sleep. And then we, we did. Got up we on didn't Friday. do anything. We didn't do anything super exciting Thursday, did we? Uh, we went to we hung out with Sam. We Sam, saw, yeah, Sam Nier. Saw Sam Nier, friend. Went to a really cool place that we don't want to tell we're not gonna tell anybody place. about our secret unless place. you direct message us we'll tell you the maybe name of the secret place maybe to um uh direct the next day we played due process <laughs> and due process um the thing that really drew my attention to it was sort of that has this unique well i guess i should explain what the game is so the game is a was it five on five yeah uh co-op or not co-op and well no five on five pvp, PvP. Um, sort of cops versus robbers scenario. Correct. But the thing that separates this game from the rest, and you're, basically I'm describing every game that exists in the <laughs> world right now, but the thing that separates uh, due process from a variety of other games is the levels are all procedurally generated. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, it has this weird sort of Doom-esque um, art style, but it, it's like... Polygonal, Doom. but yeah, but intentionally still, polygonal. Right, if you it's will. kind of like imagine Ooh, Doom it, mixed with Borderlands. Yeah, there was a cop game though that had that style. Oh, Anyways, I, I know, know what you're talking. You know what I'm about. talking about? Crackdown. Right? 
yeah sort of crackdown ass maybe i don't remember but yeah. anyway so that's you can kind of picture what the art style is like so it's fun to look at it's very different um on top of this um you know this uh this pvp aspect in the the art the art of the game there's also um a really neat uh planning sequence so if you open up the map you can actually draw to plan different attack scenarios so one team is trying to defend a bomb the other team is trying to defuse the bomb yeah um and you are you can actually plan in real time using like a a football style playbook to direct the various members of your team through different doorways to breach and things of that and then those lines end up staying on the ground so you see them when you go back into the first person part of it uh there'll be like colored lines from the different people who drew plans on the ground that you can like follow to the door that you're supposed to go to whatever it might be like it's it's a uh, static in the world it stays there for i you. would almost imagine and this is me thinking you know future tech that um having this sort of technology with real combat scenarios having a drone being able to mm-hmm. fly overhead and and having soldiers being able to have augmented reality lenses yeah. in their helmets. I mean, that's absolutely where it's headed. Yeah, yeah. And, and you would be able to actually see lines drawn in your actual environment uh, would be pretty fantastic. So this exists in the game. It's really cool. There's um, there's a lot of things that were super unique, like the fact that... The weapons were persistent. So you yeah. once a gun was used, it was gone. Right. And once you if you didn't take enough ammo, you didn't have enough ammo. Like, there was just like... Everything was persistent in that way. If you they had like a door a wall charge so you could breach a wall, you know, if it was a wall that was breachable. Right. And if you use that breach, then you've used it. So like if you're doing a three a three verse or three round match, then um you use it in round one, well then the bad guys both or the other guys, bad guys is a weird way to term that. The yeah. other guys both will know that you used your charge and you won't have it anymore. So right. they can then plan accordingly. Like that wall is no longer breachable essentially. Right. And in the beginning, the beginning of the stages, you actually have to pick your weapons up off the ground out of boxes. So you pick your loadouts, then you pick yeah. your weapons up out of the boxes and you go to these ammo crates and you pick up the individual magazines yeah. and shotgun shells, load your weapons. Uh, and they're not there the next round. Right. The, the shells and such are not there the next round because you use them. So it's, it's really cool. There's like this level of realism and real tension to the game because you know you only have one life Uh um and you have to work together to try and figure out like hey how do we get into this building and the defenders can say okay well i want these two guys to hold this door i want the guy the sniper rifle to watch this long hallway i want you know why don't you stay in the closet the whole time and pop out once the firefight starts yeah um uh, the game of obviously requires you to have a certain level of communication with your teammates. Yeah. Um, and that's the, the thing that I'm fearful of um, in today's gaming world is when you have a game that relies on that so much heavily, you're, you're banking on the people playing it to, um, to Stick adhere to, to that. Yeah. yeah. To adhere to that, that mentality when a lot of times what you'll see in online games is people just kind of want to do their own thing. Yeah. Um, I think if it played with a group of friends and you're really playing this, it's just, it would be a fantastic experience. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, a group of friends would definitely help that. I yeah. think that there is something, you know, we talked a little bit about sea of thieves this weekend, but we've both played it. Yeah. There's a difference in that. Like the stakes for sea of thieves are lower and the desire to just do whatever you want to do in sea of thieves is higher. Whereas this is a pretty focused, pretty fast like you know, I mean, one round is done in like five minutes. Yeah, like it's, not it's even. Not, it's, it's not a long play session. So, so like I think that that notion of having the wild card is is always going to be there. But also, like I could see five people being like, "Well, we can hold it together for fifteen minutes while we try to win." You yeah. Know? 
Um, but I thought it was really fun. Yeah. Pre alpha. So I think it's got a little ways to go before we see it out on steam. Um, but it was it was good overall. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would with just like a first person shooter. Right, right. And we were really worried that we just weren't going to be able to kill yeah. anyone yeah. and just be like. But it was the old slow guys. Not but bad. We, we did okay. Yeah, we, I killed a couple people. Yeah, it was great. Got a couple shotgun kills. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. good time. So that's called due process. Uh, I believe it's coming to Steam. I don't know if there's any console plans as of yet, but yeah, it, is in, it, it is in it is in pre alpha. So we will probably see due process here again next year. Yeah. <laughs> and the year <laughs> after. And maybe even the year after that. But keep your eyes nice on booth, it. Though. Yeah. Very keep your nice eyes booth. on it. Like I, I honestly think it's very innovative. Um it's gonna be pretty cool. And yeah. uh, I think you guys will definitely like it. Um let's see what we want to talk about next. Well after that we uh went to we caught some of the Walking Dead panel. Yeah, we did. With season three, right? Uh, season. Oh no, not three. Uh, four. four. Season four is what they're here talking about. Yeah. yeah. So, um, this is cool. Uh, Melissa Hutchinson, who was on uh, the show a couple times, uh, was on the panel to talk about sort of her experience playing Clementine over the years from yeah. the very first season up through the upcoming fourth season, where she's older. Yeah. They revealed some stuff about the fourth season that I don't know if I. I guess it was streamed, but you know, she kind of is going to be a little bit more. Uh, motherly now and, and is more of the protector whereas in the first season she was the one being protected yeah um and you know i uh, if you want to go back and listen to old episodes um uh, i think scott and i gushed so heavily about the first season of the walking dead i did too i loved it it was just yeah. such a beautiful experience and so so well done so well acted um and this is they're dubbing this the final season. I think you know. I think we finally me. This is just my perspective, but I think we've finally gotten to the point where we're seeing that the zombie boom sort of slowly start to die out. Like the television program isn't getting the same viewership right. that it used yeah. to. You're not seeing as many zombie games on the floor. Right. Um, things are shifting to. Uh, a little bit more modern, fast-paced, like spacey. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot more of that on the floor than I am of like dark, uh, super dark, hardcore horror yeah. zombie stuff on the floor. So I think you know, Telltale being like, okay, well, we'll make this the last season of Walking Dead for now is probably a wise decision. Right. Um, but yeah, I think honestly, of all the Telltale stuff, uh, uh, the first season of The Walking Dead is still top of my list i know you you're a huge wolf among us fan huge wolf among us yeah fan. i so think that is yeah. feasibly one of the best ones they ever did there's a bunch of good ones but wolf among us was was fantastic so yes um yeah yeah i thought the stuff that i saw was really cool i agree i think zombies are kind of that you know we don't need more existential dread currently in our I in our nation. I think that's a lot. I mean, so. I th- honestly, if you, I don't know how much time we have to get into it, but if you want to get into it, I think that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. I think like the, the people world look for is, escape. Yeah, and, and we're like, oh man, like, this is just like uh, looking at this dystopian darkness. All all of that dystopian stuff isn't performing as it was it used to because yeah. it's just like we finally reached a point where like, oh, this is hitting a little too close to home right yeah. now. Yeah, there's a lot of nasty stuff going on in the world, and Correct. like, I, I kind of want to watch like. You know, Vanellope von Schweetz ride her like magical go kart <laughs> yeah, through the yeah, candy yeah. forest. You know yeah. what I mean? So that was a weird, too much Wreck It Ralph. Sure. Dude. Yeah, sorry, Ralph. <laughs> I don't know how you pulled her name out of the hat. Uh, you know, like I got a kid now, so <laughs> it's all about Vanellope von Schweetz. Uh, but yeah, so then we we took off from there. We played. You played. I watched uh, Death Garden. Death Garden. So um, 
this is the the new game by uh, the the same development team that did uh, Dead by Daylight. Mm-hmm. Dead by Daylight, yeah. And um, this is a sort of a unique uh, Running Man type of scenario where there are these characters called runners who have a variety of like weaker abilities. They're incredibly agile. They can hide, and then they have a hunter who has access to like, weaponry and turrets and guns. And um, it's a, a, a game of hide and seek yeah. where the runners are trying to capture three points on a map and the hunter is trying to uh, stop them by, by murdering them with weapons. Yeah. And so the runners are quickly trying to figure out how they can capture these points without getting killed themselves. Um, they can't really uh, kill the hunter, but they can slow him down and right. stun him and, and, and things of that nature. But the hunter can actually stun and kill the runners, and that's how he wins the match. And if the, if the runners grab two of the nodes, they can win the match as well. Right. So it was a really – I played as um, – But does only one runner need to escape? Is that, That's what I was trying to figure out, for them to win. I still – I don't know the, the – oh, so I figured out in order to win as the hunter, you have to kill at least three of the oh, runners. Oh, okay. So, so there's a math to, to it. Yeah, you have to kill the runner. And, and if you are a runner, if you it capture seemed, two it, of the points – It seemed impossible to kill all five runners. That seemed like an, an almost impossible scenario. Right, right. The, the, some of the mechanics were a little bit lost on me because I only got to play one round right. as the hunter. But um, the mechanics felt really good. Like, the hunter was very fast. He had access to, at least at, during my scenario, I had a uh, like an automatic rifle and a shotgun. Yeah. And... Um, I could lay down turrets, and I had, like, an area of effect stun. And right. the runners were just, like, these crazy parkour ninjas yeah. that were, like, flipping all around me. I mean, me, as someone who's an okay hit-scan player like with a mouse and keyboard, I had a really hard time hitting them, yeah. which I think was the how how that was intended. Right. But also, for me, it was a little bit frustrating because sure. I would get a lock on them and, like, you know, get a couple rounds off, and then that would be it. Yeah, and I wouldn't be able to catch them because they would like you know do a, like a, a backflip, right? You know, and and jump off a ledge. And like, where the heck did they even go? I think the coolest mechanic though that he did point out, and it was pretty neat to watch happen, was that if as a runner, you know, your natural gut instinct is to run and move as fast as you can to get away from the hunter, but. If you got into like tall grass and just stopped moving, you essentially disappeared yeah. to the hunter. Like it just, you were gone. Yeah. And there were many times in the videos you were watching, and I think you even did it a couple times, where the hunter would just walk directly past the runner who's sitting quietly in tall grass and like walk within like, you know, game inches essentially of each other. Uh, and that was an interesting take on a, on a runner game because it's not, I think, con- really the how it works usually right you know right I thought, I thought that was pretty cool you know it's funny i don't think um and this is this game is pre-alpha so it's still yeah. um it's still very early and I, I don't think anyone has really done the like man versus predator aspect of a game 100 percent right yet right. in my opinion um i thought it was going to be a while ago i thought it was going to be evolve evolve yeah uh but there were just some you know obviously some problems with the mechanics of that game that mm-hmm. after repeated you know repeated playing like you just got tired of chasing yeah you got tired of chasing the monster uh for this brief fleeting fight um i think there's a lot of things this game does right to remedy that already and i'm curious to see where it goes in the future yeah. um and what things they do to kind of because the, the the only bit of negativity i have to say about it at this stage of development is that um i would get frustrated and this is just me this is me i would get frustrated as i 
would look for the the runners and then all of a sudden sure. they would vanish and i'd be like well now and then now they're at a and i'd like run over to a and then yeah. they'd be gone and be like i would spend mid- there was a bit of like yo-yo that you were doing that i was just like Ugh, that yeah. seems tedious but uh-huh i don't know what the fix it, it seemed like the hunter was a little and the pre-alpha so who they're gonna balance the shit out of this thing over time i'm sure but the hunter did feel a little underpowered or seemed a little underpowered it right. seemed way easier to get a group of runners together who could survive than it did to get a hunter that could take out and that might have been that might have been um my inability to hit scan well or it could have been watching some of the other players i mean it just seems like a difficult task it's it's, it's a very hard thing because not only you not only had to down the hunter but you had to like do an execution animation yeah i i feel like if like my layman's have no idea what i'm doing fix for would be we'll just give the hunter a weapon that yeah that eliminates one, one like, takes on. yeah you don't need to do the downed execution animation right. just to speed things up but i think in the hands of a good hunter which is probably what they have at the studio sure it's probably a very different situation yeah but, yeah but that was super fun that's cool yeah so um that you was did called... point out to the developer and he was like oh yeah the, it's like an infinitely streamable game like yeah it, there's there's stakes to it you can kind of see watching the different sides would be fun and interesting. Uh, so I th- it is interesting to me because you and Scott have both pointed it out to me a lot because I am the the neophyte. Yeah. I'm going to go with that word. Sure. In that area that, like, developers are now thinking about how streamable their game is. You know, can we, how, how much can we get this on Twitch and get people playing it and wanting to watch it? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick break, and um, we'll come back and talk more in a few seconds. Sure. Uh-huh. 